I think all those fears were like really palpable and they weren't visible, but they were really making me hide. And over time I realized hiding for me, hiding from social media just meant hiding from my own success. Welcome to the Smart Gets Paid podcast with me, Leah Niederthal. I help women land higher paying clients in their independent consulting businesses, but I've never been a salesperson. My background is in corporate marketing. And when I started my first consulting business, I learned pretty quickly that it's about a thousand times harder to sell your own stuff than it is to sell someone else's. So I taught myself how to do it and I created the sales approach that I now share with my clients so they can feel more comfortable in the sales process, get more of the right clients, and get paid way more for every client contract. So whether your client contracts are $5,000, $100,000 or more, if you wanna work with more of the clients you love, do more of the work you love and get paid more than you ever thought you could, then you're in the right place. Let's do it together. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to rate, review and share. Hey there, Leah here. Thanks for tuning in. I hope that wherever you're listening to this, wherever you are right now, you're having a great week, making some good progress on your business and taking some time for you. I actually did something fun just for me about a month ago. I flew to LA at the last minute to surprise my best friend, Courtney. She and her wife had moved from DC to LA just over a year ago. And whenever we used to go to DC to see my sister, we would see them too. But now that they're in LA, obviously we don't get to see them as much anymore. And so it had been, you know, at least over a year since we'd seen each other. And so I coordinated with her wife to make sure they'd be home that weekend and make sure she'd be home when I arrived. And so I flew to LA and like, literally you guys like showed up at the front door, you know, like knock, 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 here I am. And Courtney opened it. She screamed. She was shocked and amazed. And we just had a great weekend that was just so, so amazing. And me going to LA to surprise her was a total feat, not just because it was fun and spontaneous, but also because I have young kids, they're three and a half and 10 months. And so your life really revolves around them. But I worked it out with my wife where I could take the weekend. You know, I made sure her sister would be in town to help and I could get to spend a great weekend with an old friend. I guess all I can say is it was nourishing. And I was thinking about this visit as we were editing this episode, because in it, I also get to talk to an old friend, Kim Rittberg. She's a friend of mine from college who I've reconnected with over the past few years, and she's doing amazing things in her business with video, and I'm so excited to have her share them with you. So just to quickly back up for a sec. So if you've been listening for a while, you might've heard me mention that I got my start in advertising. I worked at ad agencies, DDB and Leo Burnett. And then I went in-house to do corporate marketing at a mid-sized tech company. And so as a marketer, it was my job to make other people look good, whether it was the company that we were pitching at the agency or making the account team look good or making the tech company look good or you know the software that we were selling, making that look good. Like fully trained in making other people and brands look and sound good and making them visible. And so what happened is that when I started my business, I was so good at making other people look and sound good and making other people visible. Like I was great at marketing other businesses, but I had no idea how to market myself. Or what I should really say is I knew what to do, but doing it for myself felt super uncomfortable. 
And I hear some version of this echoed in the conversations that I have with the women I work with. They're so good at marketing other brands or other businesses or other teams, but they just can't do it for themselves. Essentially, they're so good at making other people's voices heard, but they can't make their own voice heard. So for me, that's what led me to learn how to do it and how to feel comfortable doing it so that I could start showing up, getting clients and building my business. So I know it's absolutely possible. And I wanted you to hear from somebody else who's done this too, and who can share how she did it and how you can also. And so that's why I've invited Kim to join me on the podcast. Kim is a dear friend of mine. I mentioned that we actually went to college together at Penn. And when I moved back to New York a few years ago, we reconnected after something like 20 years. And in those 20 years, Kim had an incredible career in media as a producer for Netflix, Us Weekly, People, Pop Sugar, and she's led the creation of content on behalf of brands that are household names, brands that you and I know. But she was always behind the camera. But now in her business, where she teaches women how to use video to build their businesses, she's had to turn the camera on herself. And she's going to share with you how you can do the same thing so you can use video and your voice to build your consulting business. So take a listen to my conversation with Kim Ripberg. And at the end, I'll come back and share a lesson that you can apply to your business. Kim, I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So Kim, let's just dive in. Let's, let's tell the good people who you are and what you do. Hi, good people. I am Kim Ritberg. I help business owners grow their income, leads, and credibility through video and podcasts. I came here, here, meaning this is my business, because I spent the first 10 years of my career in media. So basically, I was a TV news producer covering breaking news, entertainment, everything, like writing, storytelling, getting people ready for camera. Then I shifted into digital video, and I launched the Us Weekly Video Unit. Eventually, I did Netflix marketing and PopSugar branded video. But basically... When I was at Us Weekly, I found myself working in the delivery room and the company was sold for $100 million and I got $0 of that. (laughs) No! $0. And it was a real epiphany to me. I was having my second baby and just being on my phone with the IV in my arm, I looked around and was like, this character of a working woman is just like, that's not what I want and that's not who I am. And it sort of really, really pushed me to rethink my career. I took two more jobs because, you know, takes a while to really start our business, even though we that's, think we know it. Yeah. And that's, that's what we do. That's what yeah. we're sort of programmed to do, aren't we? Yeah, that's what we do. And so it took me another two years to really, really launch my business. And so now I actually have my business and I help business owners grow with video and podcasts. And I also, you know, everything from strategy to execution of the video and podcast and media coaching, on-camera coaching so that you feel great about your messaging and your confidence before you're about to make those videos and make those podcasts. Yeah. And I feel like you just like busted on the scene here because, you know, all of a sudden I saw you, you're getting featured here and there and you, you know, your podcast is amazing. And if you haven't listened to it, check it out. It's mom's exit interview. We'll talk more about that. And you didn't just like sort of tiptoe in, you know, you like burst onto this, onto the scene, which was so awesome to see. Thank you for saying that because so this is, and I love sharing this because A, I used to never share anything. And I feel like I've learned a lot from my own experience and from my own insecurities and fears that are not visible to others. Like basically, if you met me at a party and Leah and I, you know, we knew each other from college. And this is to say, I do feel like I like sharing my story because it took me a really long time 
to be honest about my own insecurities and putting myself out there. It took me a really long time to do. And so I feel like basically I worked in corporate. I was never online at all, except like my LinkedIn was like, look at this big job I have. Hey guys, look at this other big job I have. But basically no personal presence, just LinkedIn. This is what I'm doing. And Facebook photos every few months with a vacation, basically no social presence. When I launched my own business, I started with corporate clients and I loved it. Like I did a huge project with People Magazine and I absolutely loved them. But I did realize that I wanted to help more business owners and like really expand my reach and help more people that didn't necessarily have the corporate budget or just structured in a different way. I could do different things, help people be thought leaders, help businesses become brands in a way that you can't necessarily always do with the bigger clients. Like you're you can do really cool big things, but you can't get them from like zero to hundred because they're already at like 95 or 90. So when I have my company, I'm like, I am telling people to put themselves out there. I'm telling them to get on camera and build their business with video. I am invisible. I literally did not post anything that was professional. And I just was like, oh my God, I'm a fraud. <laughs> like I'm a hypocrite. And, and that, I, yeah, and that was it. And I love that you, the way that you sort of, through that comparison because like a lot of the women I work with are helping, are doing some type of communications, marketing, visibility, even helping their clients put themselves out there in leadership positions, for example, or what have you. And yet they themselves don't have a social presence, aren't putting themselves out there. And so I think that that realization that you had is so important. And I think it's, and I know that it's like a disconnect that's happening with a lot of the women that I talk to as well. I feel so strongly and I'm very passionate about sharing my message because I felt it very, very deeply. I had all of these fears about launching my business, about launching my podcast, fears that no one would see if they saw me at a party or if they had a lunch with me. I come off, I'm a total extrovert. I'm a confident person. And I think that you'd be like, what do you mean Kim was ever self-conscious? I had so many voices in my own head that were running through like, don't go on social media, all of these, your former colleagues, these SVPs, these vice presidents, these directors are going to be like, why is Kim always on social media? She's so salesy. Why is she promoting herself? Why is she such a narcissist? Like she wants to be an influencer. And I had all of these negative voices in my head. It was that fear of judgment. It was a fear of failure. Like what if I say I'm running this business and it fails and I look like this huge failure. And it was also just fear of the unknown with the business more than the showing up. But like, if I launch my own business, like, what does that mean? Like, what are the markers of success? Like, there's no org chart. Like, I don't understand how I'll know when it's working. And I think all those fears were like really palpable and they weren't visible, but they were, they were really making me hide. And over time I realized hiding for me, hiding from social media just meant hiding from my own success. I got to be out there. I'm telling other people to do this. I am my own best spokesperson. And I am really doing myself, my business, a disservice by not using that that power, that knowledge. Like I've learned in 15 years, all of these ways to leverage video and podcasts. If I'm not doing that, I'm I'm hiding from my own success. And I love that also because just following up with what you're saying earlier, it's not just you're just the driver isn't. If I don't do this, I'm a fraud, right? It's not you know you're sort of running from some negative thing. You had identified that like to get to where you want to be you're going to a positive, like you turned it into a positive. And I think that that's, you know, so important. If, if your driver is that, that the shoulds, right? Like the, all the shoulding that we do of ourselves, like you might get started, but you won't continue 
I love that you identified that like you have these tools, you are your best advocate. This is, it pulled you rather than sort of pushed you. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And I think I see this with a lot of my group coaching clients, my one-on-one clients, they feel very self-conscious or they feel a lot of perceived judgment that it will be judgment in the future on them by showing up. But the truth is almost all of us, especially small business owners, we were here to help. All of your consultants that listen to the show, they show up because they believe that they're helping people and they are helping people. And I think that that was a huge mindset shift that I applied to myself. And I also told my clients, basically, I help people show up on video. So if I start showing up on video and actually teaching, actually providing that value, that's going to create positive association, positive engagement, word of mouth, referrals, like all of the things you're looking for in your business. And when I started doing that, it takes a while. You know, it's not the first few weeks. It's not the first few months. But over time with the consistency of showing up, I really have seen, like you mentioned before, I really, once I got going, it's been insane. Like I've had so much business and client success because I started showing up and it wasn't month one. It was like month six, month 12, month 18, month 24. Totally. I mean, we talk about in my world, a lot about the sales process, right? And how a lot of people believe that the sales process starts when you, you know, get that first inquiry, somebody reaches out or they're referred to you or what have you. But really the sales process starts months earlier when somebody starts paying attention and you know you paying attention to what you're putting on LinkedIn or whatever social media channel is right for you. For most of the women I work with, it's LinkedIn, right? And you give people something to learn and something to learn about. And you know, and like you said, it's like not showing up with salesy, you know, promotional content. It's showing up with high value content, educational content. And you help people go through that education process. And and the studies show that when people are going through that education process, it that is essentially anywhere from two thirds to ninety percent of, of of the sales process. Like the information gathering has happened before they even show up at your business doorstep. And so, oh. I love what you're saying about how it it does take time, but people are reading, they're they're learning, they're watching, they're listening, and yeah. they can't learn about you if they're not learning from you. A hundred percent. I agree with that so much. I had a couple of things in the past, I'd say 12 months. So basically I was already showing up on social with like video tips and like educational stuff, but I launched my podcast called Mom's Exit Interview. And that also gave me basically, when you think about how much content you're putting out there, it gave me every single week I'm putting out a podcast episode. And so I'm at least putting out at least one social media asset. So that really filled my content calendar as you think about like, what do I put out there for marketing? And I started showing up like really even more consistently than I was before, basically around like June of 2022. And I was a lot of mindset hurdles to even launch the podcast. By the way, I want to be open about that is I felt like I was like, basically really, really good at being a puppeteer, like being the voice of a brand, being elevating People Magazine or Netflix or this news, you know, the, the whatever anchor I was writing for. But it really wasn't me or my point of view. And so deciding to be the voice of something really scared the crap out of me. And that's honestly, people would be like, that's that's really bizarre because companies pay you a lot of money to make podcasts and video. No, but it's a thousand times harder. This is what everybody finds out in the first like 30 seconds of owning a business. 
it is a thousand times harder to sell your own stuff than it is yep. to sell somebody else's. That it sounds like that's sort of exactly. the the realization you had as well. Exactly. And putting myself out there for the podcast like took a lot of like no. I really feel like I have something to say. And I feel like my podcast, again, about adding value. My podcast comes from a place of value. I'm like, there are all these amazing women out there doing interesting things, consultants and business owners on their own terms. Like we talk so much about, you know, oh, there's all these people in the nine to five and the work world and what companies can do better. I'm like, I don't really care, not care, but I don't really want to talk about what companies can do better to keep women in the workplace. I want to have this conversation with other women who are doing it on their own terms, consultants, business owners, entrepreneurs. And I really did feel like mom's exit interview was going to be a place to share, shine a light on women, add value. And it was really only me being like, I really do think that there's a great idea here. And it wasn't like, I want to be out there. A part of it was sharing my perspective, like having a brand voice, because I'm like, now I'm my own brand. I have a business. Like, I do want to put my own perspective out there, not only right for anchors, not only right for branded content. Like, if I want to be seen as someone who's something to say, start saying it. Got yes. You got to start saying it. If you think you have something to say, you have to say it. Well, and it's it sort of tracks with some of the things that I, I share with my clients, especially when a lot of my clients are dipping their toes into LinkedIn. Maybe they've been posting on LinkedIn or maybe they've been showing up on LinkedIn, but not in a way that it has really yielded anything for them. So we start really, you know, we start tweaking that and refining it. But the question that a lot of women who you might be listening to, you know, you're hearing this and you, this might be a question for you too. What do I say? Right. I don't right. have anything to say. Right? right. And I always say like, if you have an opinion, you have, you have a post, right? Uh And if you sort of follow that thought further, if you have an opinion, you have a podcast episode, you can make a LinkedIn live, you can make a YouTube video, et cetera. You definitely have opinions. It's a matter of really recognizing that. And PS, it's not just opinions. It's opinions grounded in your expertise, Yes, right? And so if you are... With, if you're not showing up and saying and sharing that, you're essentially withholding yes. an opportunity for the people who need you to understand how you think about this, how you think about this problem and solving it. I, I totally agree with you. And I have content ideas, actually, by the way. I feel like the IMHO, in my humble opinion, it should be like IMHPO, in my humble professional opinion, because it's not our opinion. It's not our opinion. It's our professional opinion grounded in 15 years. Cause I recently actually have this client and he's great. He like really respects me. I was like, well, I mean, from my opinion, he's like, it's not your opinion. I'm paying you for this. I was like, you're right. From my professional experience, don't do that thing. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was trying to couch up an opinion and he's like, no, 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 don't say it's your opinion. I'm paying you for this advice. I'm like, you're right. So number one for LinkedIn, by the way, I've had insane LinkedIn wins this year because I've been showing up more consistently. Someone reached out to me from college who I had not seen in 20 years. Hey, Kim, I saw it said award-winning video strategist on your LinkedIn. I want to make a video for my huge commercial real estate engineering company. Can we set up a time to chat? Literally the warmest lead discovery call you've ever seen. And I was like, oh my God, it's working. And that's just like one example, but Oh my God, it's working. I, you know, my LinkedIn bio, I made sure it says award-winning video strategist. I also make sure it says I help business owners grow their income leads and credibility with video and podcasts. Like I have a really clear point, but I also am really big advocate on like whatever your accolades are. If you grew somebody's revenue by X percent, if you were featured in X magazine, like put that up there. We all feel like we do not peacock enough, peacock enough. Us women, we never peacock enough. I worked at Netflix. That was like, 
like a university 501 level lesson in peacocking because the people who were peacocking on Netflix were the bright, had the brightest feathers and everybody loved them. It was like people would send emails bragging about their wins from the past three weeks. I was like, oh my God, peacocking. Wow. But we don't do it enough and we need to do it more because don't be the best kept secret. If you're the, if you're, if you're the best kept, if you're the best kept secret, you're the worst kept secret, be the worst kept secret, put yourself out there because you're only hiding from your own success. So I feel like it just, that moment in LinkedIn, I was like, oh my God, it's working. And then I launched my course and I was like, basically I had inbound leads, a lot of referrals, word of mouth. And this year was the first time I really launched like an online course to really expand my reach, have a lower, lower priced option for more people to get to know me better with like a lower risk. And I was like, I had a conversation with another female business strategist. I'm like, who's going to buy from me online? Like, who doesn't know me? And she's like, have you really tried to sell to people before? I'm like, well, you know, I mentioned that I do video consulting. And she's like, no, 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 no. Sell. Sell specifically. Put your link. I did a LinkedIn live webinar. I got three students for my online course directly from the webinar. Like they didn't even need a discovery call. They just put in their information and their credit card. And I was like, oh my God, this works. <laughs> oh my God. There are so many like threads I want to pull here because yeah. you, everything you're saying is like perfectly spot on. I mean, the and everything from, you know, we talk about how do you actually get referrals and how do you get inbound leads? It's by activating a yeah. broader network, right? Yeah. A lot of us who have spent our years being quietly awesome, which is how, you know, a lot of women, especially women consultants spend their, spend their business years too, being quietly awesome. You might get referrals from like, or, you know, some interest from the, I don't know, let's say 20 to 30 people in your broader network. But when you start showing up on a place in a place like LinkedIn, you activate a lot more people and those people are following along. We, in our world, we call those lurkers. Lurkers are they're in read-only mode. It Lurkers are 99.9% of the people out there. They will never like or comment, but they are watching. They are listening, right? 100%. And so that's how, you know, and, and again, you, you show up not for the 20 to 30 people who you might know who might have referred you in the past. You show up for the lurkers because those are the people who are getting warmer, just like, you know, yep. your, your college friend. And I, and I also want to pull out this, this course that you launched. I think one big fear is even when you do start to show up with high value content and education and all of that, there is a fear of making an offer, right? Like if I post one thing, it'll be like so salesy. Everybody will hate me. Nobody will trust me again, et cetera. But I don't know if you, I think, you know, I don't know if you found this too, but it's like, I think you earn the right to make an offer, yeah. right? You don't show up to a party and it's like, and you're like, hey, everybody, I'm also throwing a party tomorrow. Everybody come. Here's my you know, invitation. And then you walk out, right? You come to the party. You talk to a lot of people. You have great conversations. And you're like, hey, you know what? If you're interested, like, I, I'm also throwing this thing tomorrow, right? Yes. That's. I think that you, A, you earn the right to, to offer something. But then again, you also have to offer something, right? You can't be afraid of that. Yes. And I don't, I want to remember after this, I do want to offer the content ideas because I think that's really key because a lot of people feel stuck with that. But I want to answer this question first. I 100% agree with you. I think that we forget, and this is something it took me a long time to learn. We're actually not selling even when we're selling. 
Basically, when you're a consultant, which I am, like I help business owners, like I'm a consultant. I do courses, I do consulting packages, like, but I'm also a teacher and a speaker. Basically, I'm solving a problem for someone and that person has a problem to be solved. So I think even when we think about like bring the offer, we're still not selling. We're saying, I have this thing. I think it can help you. If you feel it can help you, let's make a match. And I think that I it has helped me because when I do the webinars, yes, yeah, so there's plenty of people who just want to watch free webinars and they don't have money or they don't want to invest money in hiring someone to bring on. But other people who really are serious about growing their business through a consultant and they feel like they do need that help, they don't feel like you're selling. They feel like you're offering something that they're interested in. And I think that that took me years and years and years and years to realize because this is like a non-tangent tangent, but in my 20s, I had a jewelry business. Basically, I was a TV producer in my regular media career. I launched my jewelry company kind of at the same time as, as I launched my regular media career. I always loved art. It was always a passion of mine. I started getting compliments on my necklaces. I started selling it. As my jewelry started being sold, like in Bloomingdale's, like not just like, this was like, people really liked it. I sold a lot of jewelry. I always felt like I was um, begging or like asking for a magazine to like feature me. Even though I worked in the press, I didn't have that sense of the press needs people to cover just like brands need press. And it took me, I swear, I learned it so many years later that in theory, if I have great jewelry, accessories editor of a magazine wants to feature that jewelry because it's the right match. And in the same way that my story of like how I got into the jewelry, I was like, it was like an American Idol style call for jewelry designers. That's a good story. That fills up a feature article for the Daily News, which wrote about me and Women's Wear Daily, which featured me. But I really was in the wrong mindset of like, oh, pitching, pitching, like, yeah, you're pitching, but you're you're sending an email and you're trying to find the right match. And so that idea of even to get press, you're not begging someone to write about you. You're inviting them to cover a story that you think is a good match for them. And it's the same thing. And I'm trying, I feel like in my own business, I'm getting better at that every year at being like, hey, here's what I do. If you're not showing up or you're showing up, but you really want to be seen as a thought leader, here's how I can help you. If if I can't help you, no problem. Take my free social content. I put out tons of free social content, add to my newsletter, You know, drop me in a conversation to someone who can. But I do feel like I now help people because I see what I'm, how I'm transforming my clients. So it, it helps me realize I'm not selling. Like the lawyers, the doctors, the consultants, the real estate agents who I'm helping, I'm letting them share their expertise with the world. I'm helping them be more confident and I'm helping them uncover creative ways to share their point of view. So I think it's just taken me a really, really long time to realize even when I'm selling, like I'm not selling, I'm trying to find the right match for my services. And it comes from like a matchmaking mode. And so to your point, yes, put your offer out there because also people are like, how can I work with you? And and don't make them ask how you could, how they can work with you. Have in your post, I do one-on-one packages. I'm available for summer of X date, you know? So I think it's, it's think ahead, think ahead of how much value these people are loving getting from you and make it easy for them to know how they can hire you. Yeah. Never withhold. That's I always say never withhold an opportunity for them to take some type of action, right? Whether it's downloading something, reaching out, what have you. Oh, so much good. So much good here. So basically like, I loved your idea of when you're on LinkedIn adding value, Basically, I think a really great way to think about like, what should I post? A lot of people are like, what do I post? I don't know what to post. 
there's professionally a bunch of things that you can think about. Start jotting down the questions your your clients ask you. Like if you make a list of the top 10 questions your clients ask you and your very smart answer to them, like that's 10 social media posts because social media is just a way for you to share your expertise. So like start working, like do your work and then post your work on social. That's one way. Another way is when things are happening in the real world, I like Leah, your idea of like, give your opinion on something happening. So like take a thing happening in in the world or in your industry and post your opinion, whether it's contradictory or agreeing with someone else, you can take like a big thought leader's opinion and disagree with it or agree with it and add on. But a lot of things, there's like the perfect way to get attention is by like jumping on news stories. I was a news producer. And so I'm really keen on, if you're also trying to get press, by the way, the press are on LinkedIn, like they're they're on LinkedIn. So like you could be commenting on someone's post and maybe somebody at Business Insider or Fast Company or whatever is seeing you and then you're connecting with them and then you're building that relationship. And the other way is I think there's like bringing people into your life. I think people are a little more hesitant to show that. But in addition to just, hey, here I am at this panel or here I am accepting this award, step back, pull back the covers. So like, let's say you're on the stage with the award. That's the photo that the house photographer took. Like that's the photo that is already available. Have your friend or colleague or whatever, stand back and take that wider photo. Show that there were a hundred people in the room. Stand back and take that photo of like how you practice deep breathing to calm yourself down because you were so nervous to get that award. So I think when you bring people into it, it really, really like, it really makes people feel more connected to you. And so a lot of times people I think are showing up on LinkedIn and they're like, here's my company approved post. Like, here's my like highly, you know, fixed grammar, highly copywritten post. Like be more real. I think the more you're real and you bring your actual opinion and your actual voice, especially on LinkedIn is very beneficial. And also as everyone knows, when you post, anyone who comments on your post, their whole network sees it. So like the more you give, the more you get. Absolutely. I, I love what you're saying about sort of out and bringing people into what's going on recently. And, you know, I've been doing this for years and I've taught people how to, how to do this. The pack your pipeline strategy is, is in my Academy now for how to get seen on LinkedIn and, and all of that. And one thing that I've been practicing is taking your life and turn it into content, right? Which is not to say post every latte or whatever. It's not Instagram, but you know, take the things that you're doing, the things that you're thinking, the experiences you have and turn that into content. I think a, you know, the next evolution of that for me and some of the women that I'm working with now is also, I mean, I I have to tell you years later, it still feels weird to post sometimes, right? Or it still feels weird to share some things, especially now that I have this podcast and it's a little more like intimate and I feel really vulnerable sometimes. And so one thing I'm doing now is take the vulnerability and turn it into the content right? How nervous I am or was to do something, how I second guess myself, how I everything, because you're not the only one. You're never the only one. Even people like Kim, who is, you know, you would see as like this big person on stage or me who you might hear from every two weeks in the podcast, right? Like this bringing, take the vulnerability and turn it into the the story. Yeah. And I agree with you a lot in that It's very challenging for some of us, definitely many of us, definitely me included. (laughs) I think sharing the vulnerable side has definitely been the hardest part. I think for me, 
I come from corporate, much like many other people and bring your whole self to work is not really a thing where I was. <laughs> and maybe the bring your whole self to work probably started after I left corporate. I definitely never felt like I could bring all of me to work. And I definitely didn't realize how bringing all of me could help grow my business. But I have tried to do that more and I'm finding it's very successful, you know, especially as consultants and service providers, it's a relationship-based business. And so the more real we are, the more it helps. Like basically for me, Moms Exit Interview, I interview other moms and about their interesting stories of how they started their business, how they balance their life. But I also share like a little bit about my life in it, not a lot, but a little bit. And then what I'm trying to do now is share more of vulnerable side of me. For example, I just gave a keynote on fear on overcoming fear. Now, basically this keynote was to 200 people. I was really nervous. <laughs> like I coach people to be on camera and on stage. And I've personally gotten coached before in the past, but I was like really sweating. Like there was a point at which like the morning of, I'm like, maybe I'm going to throw up. Am I going to throw up? No, I'm not going to throw up. But basically I'm like, I'm going to turn how I prepped into educational content and not just like, here are my five tips, but it's like, here's how I prepped. I was nervous. This is what I did. And, you know, I think bringing people in and saying like, I'm a real person too. And it also, by the way, it's, it's directly connected to my business. I want more people to hire me as a speaker. It's definitely directly connected to my business, but I want my ideal clients. I want the people who might hire me for a speaking engagement. I want people to realize I am just like you. I'm on a stage. I also like had a stomach ache for two hours before. This is what I do. This is how I got through it. And this is how I coach you. And I, you know, that social post has, here's my eight-step process, <laughs> right? Rehearse, rehearse some more, work with the coach, do a dress rehearsal where you're practicing breathing, amp up your energy, do a lot of positive self-talk and then go have fun. But like, those are really the steps that I did. And I try to also like bring people into it when I'm about to go on camera, like I do live TV news. Live is scary. Anyone who says live is not scary is a liar, but live news is scary. And so I take people in like in the 10 minutes before I'm about to go live. I'm like, Hey guys, I'm about to go live. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing my deep breathing to control my heart rate. I'm smiling before I start. So my voice sounds warm and like, I'm drinking lots of water. So I don't, you know, I'm not dehydrated. And A, it's helpful, but also like I get to show that other side of me, you know, like to really bring people in. But it took a really, really long time to show the vulnerable side. I will say there's still a lot of my like corporate experience that like I still don't feel comfortable talking about. I had at least one, definitely two jobs where there were like self-esteem crushing, horrible jobs. I cried in the bathroom, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to talk about that on social. I just, I don't, I'm like not, that's not the story I want to share, but I'm, I'm sharing like 80% more than I used to share. Totally. And I think that it's totally okay to curate the vulnerability, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Not everything, again, like you have to, you know, metabolize some of that corporate experience, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll show up down the road and maybe it won't, but yeah. you, you know, you can have a curated, everything are, already is curated. We oh. just, I talk about the the humanity, the expertise, humanity scale. And yeah. we just go from like a little bit away from the expertise and a little bit more towards humanity. And that's what people need. Okay. So, so you've talked about, you know, your, your incredible corporate experience. You also had a jewelry line that like ended up in Bloomingdale's. If, if I didn't know you, it'd be like, oh my God, everything Kim touches turns to gold. 
but I think for the benefit of the listeners, like, was there, what are the parts that have been the hardest or the, you know, the, some of the struggles or stumbling blocks that, that were difficult that you learned from that you got through? The beginning of every single thing was the hardest always. <laughs> Basically, I think that in general, I'm a confident person. Like, I think I was very blessed to have two parents who just like always were like, you're so smart. You can do it. You could do anything you set your mind to. Like, I really had like really supportive parents. I am, my dad was an immigrant. And I think I have that hustle gene. That hustle gene doesn't always, doesn't always like correlate with invincibility or confidence gene. So like I have the hustle gene, like I can outwork anybody. Like someone else is sleeping, I'm still working, like always in every job. So I can outwork anyone. But I think a couple of the things that like I struggled with, and I struggled with this pretty much in every job and career and position I've had is like not thinking big enough and Another thing I think that I'm now harnessing in a way that is is really supercharging my business is being authentic. So not thinking big enough. Like I think that I got into Bloomingdale's. Like that's crazy. That's from work. Like I, I sold jewelry. Anytime I would get feedback, I would like apply that to the jewelry. I was always thinking, always exploring, always learning, always making, always working. Like I had a full-time job and a side hustle. Like that's sort of just following my passion, like I always loved art. So for me, like to be able to sell something that's related to art and have people wear it and love it is like amazing. But I think I never really thought big enough. Like I could have scaled it. At some point I was like, actually, I don't necessarily want to turn like four jewelry lines a year. I don't think that that's actually what I want to be doing. I think the media is going well at that point. I was like a national news producer, like that's a great job. So I had seen that media was working for me. I think for my business and like for other things like that, I think it's always like the rational side of me is like, you have all the skills, you have all the talent, like just do the thing. And then like, there's the scared side of me who is not thinking big enough and is not like, I loved at your at your holiday party for the Academy. Like we wrote down, you know, what are your goals for this year? And I heard someone be like $500,000. And I was like, yeah. Okay. I'm now I'm going to say 400. Like, I, I feel like, you know, I don't think big enough because I'd say money has not really been a motivating factor in my life. It has been always independence, financial independence, but lots of money hasn't motivated me, but never relying on someone else has like, I never, never could, I never could rely on my parents. I, it wasn't an option. They weren't going to pay for my apartment. They weren't going to, that's not, that wasn't the thing. They weren't going to pay for my grad school. So I knew right there, I needed financial independence. But I never was motivated by by money, 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 money. I went into journalism. But yeah, I think that sometimes I just feel like I'm not thinking big enough. And I think that I'm trying to think bigger. I'm trying to surround myself with people who push me to think bigger. I think I'm a part of now a larger women's in women in business like network, which you are a part of and other people are a part of. And I think those women help me think bigger, help me put myself on a bigger stage. And the last few years, basically the idea of like, I work so, so hard and I share my successes. And then I try to step back and share all the stuff that went into my success because I did my, I did a keynote for 200 people. I was sweating through my clothing. I was like going to throw up. I prepared for 15 hours for a half an hour speech. So I think that, I think people say to me like, oh, well, I want to show up on camera. I'm like, awesome. You don't necessarily need to do 15 hours to make one video, but you should be prepping. You should be practicing your messaging, your confidence, your, your strategy. And I really like to give people the tools to do that because things don't happen like overnight. They don't. And the authentic thing. So basically I feel like since I've started showing up 
more as myself, which is basically, I was originally a creative, like I was an artist and I like love telling jokes. And I'm, I took improv comedy in my twenties. Like I'm, I'm trained in improv comedy. It was just a fun thing, but that's a part of me. Like I'm really a funny person and I'm very loose and I couldn't bring that always to my like highest level corporate jobs. But now that I work for myself, I'm bringing more of that. And it's, that is unlocking more business. Me being more of myself is unlocking speaking engagements, is unlocking business, is unlocking press. Because like, yeah, a lot of people can teach you how to do video and podcasts, but not everyone's going to make it fun. Not not everyone's going to make it fun. You're going to get in my group course and you're going to be like, oh, I hate making social media. It's so overwhelming. It's so annoying. And I'm going to be like, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And so I think being real and like tapping into the authenticity of myself and harnessing like, what are my friends like about me? What are colleagues like about me? What are my family like about me? Like, I'm fun and I have to bring that. And if I'm not bringing that, it's just like, I'll I'll get to a level, but to get to that next level, you have to really know who you are and ask people around you if you don't feel like you know. I think that I've gotten better at being like, I gave that keynote. Do you know what one person said that like really resonated with me? A lot of people came over after the keynote, these women, it was a women's real estate investment summit. These women were like, oh my God, Kim, I was so motivated. And one woman came over to me and said, you reminded me of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, yes. I love it. And I was like, boom, I'm finally like bringing my real authentic self, Kim, who's funny to this keynote inspirational speech. It's happening. Like I'm finally like making these parts of me merge together. It's like finally the breadcrumbs of where I'm going is like, it's finally coming together. Cause for anyone who doesn't know, Mrs. Maisel is like, she's a comedian. It's a TV show about a woman who's a comedian. And she was like, like a wife and a mom in the fifties or something. Anyway, someone telling me that my speech was motivating, but also funny is like, I'm doing it. Also, can totally vouch Kim is fun and funny in real life. <laughs> I just want to pull out a couple of things that you said. You know, thank you for sharing that you, for this 30 minute speech, you prepped for 15 hours, right? And that's not even including the hundreds of hours of experience and, you know, other, you know, things throughout your, throughout your life that you drew to even get to this point, right? That drew, drew from. But I think what I want to sort of call out about that is that, you know, even somebody who you might see show up online or do great video or whatever, and you might look at that and say, well, I can't do that. Like I'm not a natural, you know, there's no such thing. I mean, maybe in a very, in very rare cases, are you, is somebody a natural? It takes practice. And I think a lot of the women I work with, I will include my, myself in that number are used to getting things right the first time right? We spend a lot of our, our lives and our education and all of that stuff, getting things right the first time. And then we, we come up against this in our business, making video and it sucks. And like, you guys, the first videos I made are terrible. There's a reason I do a podcast and not a lot of videos, right? I'm still <laughs> self-conscious about it, but it takes practice. And, and so if you have tried it or are thinking about trying it and you're like, but it didn't happen immediately, that just, that doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. That means you're doing the right thing right? Which I think is just such an important thing. I wanted to, I just wanted to hit that point home. I totally agree with you. And I think the thing about authenticity is like, yeah, for me, authenticity means like being funny. First of all, my, even after all my training, when I first started showing up on social media, which was a few years ago, my first video was like, I'm kind of stiff. And I've now finally, like, I didn't even hide those videos. I just took them out of my highlights, but we're all a little stiff. The first 
video, five videos, 10 videos, of course, you're going to be better. I even said before my keynote, I said, I feel really prepared. Like I feel prepared. My keynote in one year will be better than my keynote today because that's how life is. We're always getting Mm -hmm. better. And I think that I recently had a few clients in my group coaching course, actually three women who were all really smart consultants in their own field. Like one was a healthcare leadership consultant, one was a communications consultant, and one was a wellness coach. And all three of them, very successful and have very unique points of view, like their personalities are different, right? And one of the things I told them, I was like, first of all, it's the same lessons I tell my kids. Like, we're not perfect the first time. We're always trying. Stop. We don't need to write the perfect video script. We don't need to write the perfect speech. It's one video. Make focus on one message and then just do it. Don't do it. If it takes more than four takes, you're doing it wrong. Like you can have up to four takes. You want to get it saying right. If you're taking 10 takes, you're overthinking it. You're overthinking it or you need to practice more. You need to practice talking to your phone more. But I think there's that element. And so like each person I say, like harness what you have. One of them is funny and has a good sense of humor. And I said to her, I, if I were you, I would bring that humor into her, your videos more. And I would do more lives. She's very comfortable. And I was like, bring that to a live. That's very special. And not everyone can show up live, show up live. Another person, an amazing communications consultant, who's not really showing up very calm and like, but really together. I was like, yes, be that, like bring that version of you. Like some Mm -hmm. people are serious. Some people are funny. Some people are like shy. Just be that. Like, you don't have to be someone else. You just have to be like the most confident version of you with a really clear message. And this other woman, so this healthcare leadership consultant, I love this. She basically was talking all about like healthcare, but her message was a little disjointed and we worked together. And she finally like really kind of clarified her business through understanding her content. And we did this thing. We're talking about putting out content that relates to timely moments. After Rihanna at the Super Bowl, I recommended to everybody. I shot them an email. I was like, try to times, try to post something about Rihanna at the Super Bowl. Timely content can do really well. She posted this reel, just her reacting to Rihanna. No dancing, no pointing, no silliness on Instagram. She posted this. She's like, you know what, everyone? I saw an amazing woman out there owning herself, struggling to go to the bathroom because she was in spandex or pleather, but she's probably sleeping well tonight. She did so amazing. And it was just her point of view. It wasn't some crazy lip syncing, pointing and dancing video, but it was a great, it was like her great unique perspective on it. And she got 13,000 views. So like it, it was her harnessing her own perspective. It was her being authentic and it was her using that timeliness. And she was really proud of herself because she felt like she unlocked her real voice. And it wasn't always like, Healthcare leader tip one, healthcare leader tip two, like kind of like what we're talking about, but really, really bringing yourself to it and bringing your perspective and really being you. And, and, and I I love your point though, about, you know, the first, the first few videos are, are never as good as the 10th video and the 20th video, but you'll never get there if you don't do the first one. You know what? I, I love that. And even I need to like write that on a post-it because I found something the other day that, you know, you save like screenshots and it's like, I'm deeply just what does it say? It said, I'm deeply, deeply disgusted to learn that in order to get good at something, I have to be bad at it first. And I was like, that is my life in a nutshell. I mean, of course, lots of therapy, trying to work through it, trying to, you know, become, uh, develop more grit, et cetera. But yeah, so it's true. You guys, if you, the 20th video will be better than the 10th will be better than the first, but you have to do, you have to get through those, you know, shitty first drafts to get to the better ones. When I started doing my podcast, I did this take so many times. Like, this is Kim Ritberg, host of Mom's Exit Interview. No, wait. This is Kim Ritberg, host of Mom's Exit Interview. Like, 
I probably did that take 20 times. And I think the frame, the phrase in like film and TV is called polishing the turd. Just leave it alone. It's done. And the very first episodes of my podcast, I spent way too much time on them, like way, like too polished, too perfect. And now I'm like, this is good. Move along. This is good. Move along. Like you can't, it's just, you get diminishing returns the more you work on something. Totally. Well, so what advice would you give a woman right now who knows that she needs to show up more and is afraid of taking that first step? What, what advice would you give her? I think the number one thing that holds people back is that perceived fear of judgment. And so I would say hiding from social media is only hiding from your own success. But more important than that is the fear of that judgment. Those people aren't real. The people who are going to troll you and judge you, they're probably not. The people who are watching are the people who want to hear from you. So you really have to be online and only focus on your ideal client. I had so much fear of judgment from all of these corporate people, these like executive producers, senior vice presidents, everything across media who make million dollar campaigns. And I was like, oh, I'm going to show up on I'm with my iPhone on LinkedIn. Oh, they're going to think I'm such a desperate, salesy narcissist with my low budget iPhone. And no, you know what has happened since showing up on my low budget iPhone? Not only has it unlocked insane amounts of clients and 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 press, like I've gotten featured in Fast Company and Business Insider, even though I was like, I'm not an entrepreneur. <laughs> and actually, some of those people message me and they're like, oh, I loved your tip on lighting. Like SVPs in media are like, hey, I liked your tip about being on camera because you know what? They're all struggling with those same things. So number one, quiet the negative voices. And I think it's real, those are hard things to do, but you just have to really focus on your ideal client. And you're only talking to your ideal client. You're not talking to mean Nancy from the high school cafeteria table who once made fun of you. She's not looking at you. That's so real. The attention economy is real. Do you know how hard it is to get people's attention? You're not getting Nancy's attention. Nancy's busy folding her kid's socks. She doesn't care. You're only talking to your ideal client. And I think that, I think really that is the key that only focus on who you're talking to. Put content out there. Put one piece of content, put three pieces of content, put 10 pieces of content. It's not going to happen overnight but you will start to see engagement. And also start encouraging your friend, your colleagues, like your peers in your network to engage with your content to just get some buzz because you'll feel uncomfortable that no one's commenting or no one. But like, it takes a while for people to be trained that they're hearing from you. If you post one thing and you've never posted before, you're not going to get like a huge standing ovation on LinkedIn. But encourage your colleagues or your peers in your network to engage with you. Say, could you please comment on this post and mutually give, you know, you get what you give. So show up. The mean girl in the cafeteria is not paying attention to you, but your ideal clients are. And you're only hiding from your own success if you're hiding from social media. Oh, that's so good. So good. Kim, where can people find you? You can all find me on my website, Kim Rittberg, R-I-T-T-B-E-R-G. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram with those names. And I have a free download. It's 10 tips to make amazing video and a bonus of how to be good on camera, whether for social or Zooms or public speaking, but grab my free tips. And basically I do group coaching and one-on-one. So, you know, you can reach out. I'm super friendly and I'm, this is such a great conversation, Lee. I always love talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. 
Ugh, I love this conversation with Kim, and I know there are so many nuggets that you can pull out and start thinking about for your business. And if you have a second, go find Kim on social media. So there are so many good lessons in this episode, but I want to pull out the one that spoke to me the most. Because even though this conversation was about video, this concept I want to leave you with sort of underpins this and really everything that's necessary to do as a business owner when you're running a consulting business. And when you understand this concept, running a business gets a lot easier. And it's this. To get good at something, you have to be bad at it first. I know it sounds so obvious, but as high achieving women who, let's face it, we're probably used to getting things right the first time, even though this concept is so obvious and so elementary, we tend to forget it. And trust me, I'm not sitting here being like, do this because I'm so perfect at it. Seriously, not understanding this concept that to get good at something, you have to be bad at it first. That has been a huge struggle for me my whole life because I used to be a chronic quitter. I would quit anything that I wasn't immediately good at, or if not immediately, then I better be quickly good at it or else I would quit. I quit sports. I quit instruments. I quit games. Like who quits a card game because she's not good at it? Me, apparently all throughout my teens and 20s. And I remember talking about this topic with my mother-in-law once, and she asked me if I ever played an instrument. And I was like, yeah, I've quit all the best instruments, you know, piano, clarinet, you name it. There's an amazing book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, where she distinguishes between two types of mindsets, fixed and growth mindset. If you haven't read that, go check it out like immediately. But for me, I was so fixed mindset that I refused to work at something that I wasn't immediately good at. I just like opted out. And I mean, there's a lot to sort of unpack there, right? From how I was raised to schooling to expectations placed on women, blah, blah, blah. We don't have to go into all that here, but suffice it to say it's at play. And I'd say it's really only been in the last 10 years or so with a lot of personal development and some really good therapy that I've started to rewrite that behavior and start to really stick with things that I'm not immediately good at. I've basically had to develop grit as an adult. So I've learned how to start by not being good at something and to enjoy the process of getting better. And so bringing it back to the things that Kim was talking about, about showing up, yeah, you're going to suck the first time. You know, in my world, your first painkiller statement is going to be bad. Mine was terrible. Your first few LinkedIn posts are going to be, you know, so-so, right? I know mine were. When you try to get clients proactively for the first time with a business development process, it's going to feel weird the first time. And I mean, listen, I know how uncomfortable this is. That's why with everything I teach my clients, there's always a template or a guide or something to get started with. And we pair it with coaching to help you so that you go from not knowing how to do something to knowing exactly how to do something as fast as possible. But you really do need to sort of acknowledge and accept that to get good at something, you have to be bad at it first. Because not knowing how to do something right away or not being good at something right away, it doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. It means you're in the right place to start learning. And it only means you're not good at it yet. (laughs) 